Welcome to Trade Wins. I am your host, Tara Solberg, the founder of Few and Far and Indigo Love, two halves of one thriving business. I am a South Coast girl from a small town, and when I launched my business over 10 years ago, I had no idea what I was doing. What I did have was passion, drive, and a commitment to learn as much as possible on my way. I will take you through each chapter of my unique business story. You will get real insight into the lows and highs, the trials and triumphs, and the many, many lessons learned. In fact, I will share all of the things I wish I knew when I was starting out all those years ago. So consider this your personal invitation to take the first step on the journey of a lifetime towards owning your own business. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Trade Wins podcast. Today we've got a good one for you. In some of the previous episodes, Danny and I spoke about when we first started wholesaling, how that organically came about and um, the different products that we imported from India and China and how that led to us being quite different in our offerings and in our field which then led to people wanting to buy for us for their stores. So this episode, we'll actually be speaking about why and how we decided to um, build and exhibit at our very first trade fair, which has got some pretty funny stories in there and some really, um, I guess, challenges that we faced and some really important learnings. So welcome back, Danny. I know in one of the last episodes you said, now first trade fair, now that's a podcast. (laughs) So here we are now and we're going to talk about that. (laughs) So what are your memories of our first trade fair stand? Or how we how we came to that moment. Um, I, I, I did I was I was I the one that pushed to get a trade fair to go to the trade fairs. I think I was, Probably. wasn't I? Yeah, because yeah. I, I remember we went to America, and we were actually in the airport. Your mum and dad came with us before we had kids and everything, and and we were in the airport and we were sitting around. And because we were always talking about ideas, like we should wholesale, we should do this, and we should do that. And then I think that sort of like everything it starts the vision so you start to start thinking about i wonder how you do it and you know and what would you do and you know say you do a a trade fair and which for everyone that doesn't know is basically where everyone who has a a store or a designers or whatever everyone comes to the one place and they're usually in big halls and you to buy all to buy yeah to buy or search and source for product yeah so trade fairs are where our industry gets together and you know buyers and sellers basically and i've spoken obviously too in recent episodes about how like we went to trade fairs and how i'd gone to trade fairs to buy for when we first opened and being able to select from a range of different products to build our product collection Mm. i guess you'd say um so and how important they are in terms of being able to source products all from the one place yeah yeah so i guess the seed was planted on that trip in, to America, which we went to do a bit of a sourcing sort of inspirational trip for what we do anyway. But um, and we took my mum and dad. Yeah, because <laughs> Tara's dad, John, being the 
the builder and doing a lot of our fit outs and stuff we wanted to show him we wanted him to come along and sort of see um you know if we like something it's like oh we like this and then john would have to look and go okay so this is how they've built it or this is how they've done it and obviously with them being so involved from day one in our business and making that happen um they'd obviously heard all of the stories about us traveling overseas and our inspiration from from overseas and how we loved anthropology and all those sorts of places so we thought why not take them over to america and actually show them what we're talking about so that that was a really cool thing to do for us i mean that was us going okay well if when you when you work for someone it's it's really easy to go oh they should be doing this and we should be doing this and and they should be, you know, spending money here and doing money there. So that yeah. for us was a real like, okay, well, we're going to do it. We're going to do what we said we should, should happen. And we're going to go overseas. And we're going to take John and Cloud and we're going to show them what, you know, be, be as inspired as we get and yeah. find things and source things and, and show them how we do it. And it was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. It was exciting. Yeah. So basically we hired a car and every day we jumped in the car. We stayed at uh, Santa, Santa Monica. Monica. Yeah. Which is really fun place to stay you've got the santa monica boulevard and yeah um it's really you know nice places to eat and a bit of shopping there basically we just jumped in the car every day and we'd pick different areas and we go see different stores and um again no kids there so it was just all of us in the car (laughs) and and, uh you know having fun driving on the wrong side of the road and and when we went over the plane was empty too yeah the plane was empty (laughs) empty we had like a row each yeah and it was probably lucky that it was empty because I think Dad was sitting in the road behind me watching like backyard barbecue or some silly Australian movie, just like laughing his head off out loud with headphones on. <laughs> Can you be quiet back there? <laughs> but it was fun. So anyway, on the way back, we're in the airport at LAX and we'll, and yeah, the seed was planted and the idea. And then that's where I think, that's in my mind, that's where the vision started to, you know, for me to start sort of, thinking in spare time or whatever about how we do wholesale and for me as much as i love retail i am the first to admit i am not a retailer i don't enjoy sitting in the (laughs) store i mean you hear some people you know that have tried it and said i just can't handle sitting in the store and waiting for someone to come in to buy something you did enjoy it though like you did enjoy meeting new people i did i did but i i always felt like there was there was i what was next like what yeah. how do i well you were looking at the bigger yeah, picture how do i get not get out of it but how where's where this going yeah um and how do we grow this and for me to grow it it was not stand behind the counter yeah i think it's just the day-to-day that i struggled with i just i'm tara was amazing at it um I'm, i think i'm okay with the people side and i enjoyed that like you said but it was more the just the logistics of you know running a store and being in a store i felt a bit caged yeah yeah well you were looking at kind of other things and different opportunities all the i think time. yeah wholesale excited me it was yeah. like this is where i could be that traveler and yeah. i'd get to travel more well you could become that guy that you saw initially where you said i want to be him yeah. sitting in the back of his warehouse and tara will agree i like buying stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to disagree with that. <laughs> I am very good at buying stuff. <laughs> Your confessions of a shopaholic. But <laughs> I, I, I think that 
you know, those people that are shopaholics, it's probably a positive attribute to have to be a shopaholic <laughs> in some ways when you have your own business because it, it you are inclined to take a risk. And, yeah. and there's a lot of risks you need to take. Yeah. When you're buying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if that makes you feel better. <laughs> Okay, so we, we headed over to America and actually you nearly got locked up or I nearly got you That's locked right. up. That's right, they wouldn't let me in. <laughs> in customs. Because so what happened... I jumped the queue. That's a cool story. So <laughs> yeah. I... Because we travelled... Like, I wouldn't say we travel a lot. Like, we're not air hostesses, but we yeah. travel a fair bit, you know. We used to do around the world two or three times a year and in between that, you go to China and... So travelling wasn't unfamiliar for us. So I think Tara organised <laughs> the trip to America and I had actually been to India... Yes, before that. Before the trip. So I actually got home and then had a day at home and then the next day we were on a plane. Yeah. So I really, so I, I was doing the India thing and then I came home, Tara had it all organised. It's basically just, you know, grab your passport, pack your bag, off we go. And I got to America and we, we all got there, all four of us. And I don't know if anyone's been to America, they get quite bossy yeah. in the uh, immigration aisles. And so they were jumping us around in aisles. Okay, you, oh, you go here. Oh, you go here. And it takes hours to yeah. get through. The queues are yeah. so Yeah, so long. I'm standing there with Tara and I'm tired. And then and then we're in, an, we're in the, like, maybe three deep to get to the immigration <laughs> officer. And then the person on the next aisle sort of gets through. So that makes them too deep. And then Tara thought, oh, I'll jump in there. And I'm like... What are you doing? It's like, oh, it's quicker. I'm like, I'm like, and by then I'm just like, you know what? I'm just gonna stay in this aisle. So I stayed in my aisle. Tara went through like one person ahead of me, <laughs> and then I get through to the immigration officer, and he's like, um, "How long are you staying?" And because I, I didn't even have the itinerary on me, and I'm just like, I think I'm staying. I think we're here for seven days. And he's like, "You think?" You think. <laughs> I'm like, um, like, then I'm thinking this guy's not really <laughs> he's not playing games with like, no and like, um yeah and he goes well, where's your itinerary and I, oh my wife's got it and he goes so you're traveling with your wife and i'm like yeah and he goes well where's your wife and i went she just went through over there and he goes why isn't your wife with you i'm like i didn't know she had to be yeah and he goes why would you not go through with your wife i'm like because <laughs> uh, there was a space in that aisle so she thought she'd go through there and anyway this guy picked on me picked on yeah. me Ask for my passport. Here's my passport. Wait over there. I'm like, oh. righto. <laughs> and then I went into it, and then they said, okay, go, come with me. So Grab my passport. M- mum, dad, and I got through. Yeah. And we were waiting for you, and I could see you getting questioned. And we're like, oh, what's going on? And then all of a sudden, you got, got led away into this room. <laughs> Where I sat for how long? It was hours. Hours. <laughs> and just listened to Americans interrogate. Uh, mostly people that couldn't speak English yeah. trying to get them to speak English when they clearly didn't speak English, poor things. Yeah. Uh, and then in the end, I think you guys must have hassled someone and then I heard someone come in the room and they pointed to me and they said, is there a problem with him? And they went, ah, oh, just let him go. And they just let me go. <laughs> Meanwhile, we'd lost like maybe half or three quarters of the day. 
yeah. just waiting all because I jumped the queue. Sorry. Yeah. So stick together. <laughs> yeah. Go Be patient. customs together. Yeah. <laughs> have your itinerary and maybe both of you have a copy of your itinerary. Yeah. That was up there with the time we went to Japan, remember? And we got oh. pulled aside because they thought we'd had drugs, drugs. in our stomachs. Because we weren't eating the plain food. Because we didn't eat the plain food. So that's the other tip. Eat plain food. Even if it's just like a little yeah, bit. just have a biscuit or something. Otherwise, they'll report you to the wherever you're going and you'll get pulled aside and questioned and try to x-ray you and and pulled into separate yeah. rooms and asked the same questions yeah and yeah, yeah. <laughs> interrogated yeah yeah so anyway. we finally got through and then that afternoon we just you know obviously checked into our hotel and had a look at, around and yeah so that trip to america was pretty it was inspirational for us yeah, as good. usual but um, it was a really great opportunity to show mum and dad around as well. And it was so nice to be able to show them because they could finally see our what we'd seen and our vision for what we, what we wanted to create and the types of displays that, you know, some of these stores had. So that was amazing. And it was good for dad to be able to see as well to, you know, help him, um, I guess, visualize our ideas when it came to our store fit outs and all of that side of the business. I think in a business, like that's definitely one thing that we're probably pretty good at is making sure that we're inspired. Yeah. Uh, and we that we research and source as best as we can before we make too many big decisions. Yeah, definitely. Um, so the plan's clear. Yeah. yeah. But be inspired by, you know, the best you can, whether yeah. it's online or go to America or whatever. It, it's worth the money. Well, we went all the way to America when America's huge huge and their customer base is huge but it's like well but they're the best yeah. so that's what we want well and, to... and not only they're the best but then it's it's somewhere different like yeah. it's not you know it'd be easier just to you know drive up to sydney and look yeah. around sydney but we'd end up being inspired by something in sydney and then it'd just be same same so. well i know it was like when we worked back at ocean and earth and we used to travel the world two times a year for the buying trips then and that was always inspirational and then there was the year where the budget was quite mm. tight and we weren't able to travel and we went to Melbourne or something it was like yeah, yeah this just isn't gonna no. <laughs> this is really hard <laughs> yeah so yeah really kind of think outside the box in terms of how you can be inspired or where you take your inspiration from even things like you know the way Americans would I mean at the time back then I you know, you pick up little things like the way they do a sale. You know, the yeah. way back then Americans were marketing so much better than Australia yeah. uh, as far as, you know, pushing a sale without looking cheap, without saying I'm discounting. They just did it cleverly. Yeah. Um, they're, the, they're very good at marketing, same yeah. with the Europeans. And uh, I think and customer so, service. Yeah, customer yeah. service. And I think when you go to places like that and you step outside your region or even your country, um, you've just find so much. Yeah, definitely. So coming home from that trip, obviously all four of us were feeling pretty inspired. Mm. Um, and that was when we decided to, oh, and we convinced mum and dad to <laughs> join us in um, the wholesale, you know, exhibiting at a trade fair and becoming part of the business and that sort of thing. So dad put together our first trade fair stand, which was, how big was that? That was, was three nine? meters by nine. nine meters. So our first trade fair was three meters by nine meters. And these days it's six by 18, is it? No. Yeah. Six by 18. Yeah. Mm. So it's quite a lot bigger. 
But I'll never forget that first trade fair and how it felt like one of the hardest days of my life. <laughs> so with trade fairs, they go for, just to give people a bit of a rundown, they go yeah. for, typically they used, they used to start on the Saturday, didn't they? They like, usually start on a Saturday and they'll go for four to five days, yeah. depending on the trade fair or which company it's with. Yeah. So the first trade fair we ever did was with AGHA. It was then called Home and Giving. Um, and it was at Homebush in Sydney in um, the Howie building, I think yeah. it was. So they had, they had a main pavilion. Yeah. And then they had, they, did they have the two more pavilions? They had quite a few pavilions, but the, the main pavilion was like the primo yeah. position. And then we were kind of in one of the little outlets. Yeah. So you got your main exhibitors, your experienced, you know, big exhibitors in the main building. And then everybody who's been doing it for a while and then... And then you go into the other buildings where it's small exhibitors and new exhibitors and um, it's it's a tough mm. little thing to get into. If you're thinking, oh, I'll just go and exhibit, it's not that simple. You, I mean, we for years we, we persevered and mm. debated we, about why we position. should be in the main pavilion. Yeah. You know, and then you go to Melbourne and it's at, you know, they split it up not only just with pavilions, but they're split up in completely different location out at the race course at Flemington versus yeah. being in the city. So, you know, and then you throw in weather there and if it's raining, which typically does yeah. a bit in Melbourne, and people need to get in a bus and walk outside and go to a showground that's potentially wet, um, they may not go. Yeah. So it, it can make or break your business. And even there are a couple of ways of doing a trade fair. So one, you can literally just show up and you have like a shell stand that's been created for you just real basic mm. and you know carpet tiles and black kind of felted walls or whatever yeah. like really quite ugly um, or you can create a custom stand which is what we opted for obviously and we we had a stand that we built a big pergola in the center of the stand that was three meters high because we wanted to be able to hang lights and mm. all of that display things properly so it was a mission getting that built and we set that up prior to the trade fair in our warehouse so we'd, we'd actually already moved warehouse again because we'd outgrown our first warehouse so we'd moved into a slightly bigger warehouse um, where we erected the stand so dad built the stand and he had another um, builder come up to help him kind of put it all together and with the dad the way that he does things everything had to fit to the millimeter and very precisely and all that sort of thing we're like dad it's yeah. just a trade stand you're allowed to be rough he's like i can't be rough with anything <laughs> no this pergola could have stayed up in that trade stand for five years <laughs> um, a lot of people when you go to trade stands a lot of it yeah. because it is so temporary it's five days you basically the key is to be able to set up your stand as quickly as possible and pull it down even quicker um, so you don't want to be taking anything that's you know too heavy, too hard, um, unless you're willing to spend tens of thousands in setting it up, pulling it down. And in that case, that means you're turning over quite a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and for us, first fair, we um, did the wrong thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, we had a really heavy trade fair stand, and we even oh. had a section of flooring and everything yeah. that we created in it. But you know, it was it still looked pretty good. I I've got photos of it now, and at that particular fair, actually, we'd done a couple of extra trips to India because so since starting to wholesale basically unofficially 
we'd probably had a really like a handful of really good customers who were coming back to us regularly and filling up their vans and or getting us to organize delivery of key pieces and and we were doing really well retail as well with yeah and stuff that was yeah. just flying yeah it was all um, doing really well so well basically so we found a little niche for ourselves in in the product that we were finding that we couldn't get anywhere else and yeah um yeah it was going really really well and so we yeah we ended up moving warehouse and then we had people consistently coming to the warehouse to you know pick their product from from what we had available um and we decided to actually give it a bit more of a go and to we went to a trade fair over in india and we bought a range of lighting Mm. but obviously due to having to meet minimum quantities and order requirements we had to order i can't remember what it was a minimum of a hundred per light or something like that and we're thinking how are we going to sell through all of these are we just going to be storing them in the warehouse for years or what so that's when we decided let's have a go at this and exhibit at a trade fair and hopefully have better sell through i guess with our with our business model i mean someone's you can you can do either both you know you can be a retailer or a wholesaler you can be both and i guess if you're listening to this you think oh wholesale sounds fun and you guys have done really well at wholesale but there's a reason why we did wholesale and wholesale was to we were piggybacking each side of the business yeah. to to basically do the other one so if you sort of said oh so you've done well with wholesale and not retail or vice versa they helped each other and that's and in having the both really was how we've done it in some ways yeah but Um, in having both it's also been a challenge because it's basically two businesses as well so yeah it's complicated so yeah yeah, it's hard to explain but um they they help each other in that way yeah yeah well like i said with the you know it it helps the stores because you can have a greater selection of product but then on the other hand you have to order in these bigger larger quantities yeah because you just simply can't move them through your Retail standard, stores. Your standard yeah. stores like we had you know you're, you're sort of i get that's the time of the mum and dad store yeah um if you've got a you know two thousand square meter you know space in the middle of sydney then you're probably justified but not at the, in at the regional time, new south wales in regional new south wales <laughs> we really couldn't justify going overseas and buying um the product we were buying and basically storing it for us to sell through our stores. It, it, it wasn't that viable. No. To make it viable, we we wholesaled. Yeah. And that sort of came organically. But yeah. um, once it did, it helped both sides fed each other. Yeah. Yeah, So that first trade stand, so we, I know that we've spoken before about, you know, your accommodation and everything is important, but I remember for that first one, obviously being on limited um, cash flow or (laughs) we stayed with my cousin who lived up in Ryde and... Wasn't my choice. (laughs) Nothing against Tara's cousins, nicest people in the world. It's just... I do like my space and and again trade fairs it's such an effort it is a massive effort like it's 
And she had to... It's hard. Like, poor kids got kicked out of their bedroom because yeah. we were staying in there. And it was, you know, and it was travelling to and from, whereas we could have hired a room in the Novotel or something, which was literally a five-minute walk to the fair each day. Yeah. Just across the road kind of thing with breakfast and all that sort of thing taken care of. But, you know, it was the early days, so we... <laughs> we tortured ourselves. <laughs> Um, so, yes. So, don't do that. <laughs> well, if you can, make it easy for yourself, like what we've said in previous episodes. Um, and then traveling up to the fair, I can't even remember. We were speaking about this before hitting record, actually, trying to work out how we got everything up there. But I remember driving up separately. I had our Land Rover Discovery, which had all of the seats laid flat in the back. So, I just we just piled that high with random things. And I couldn't see out any of the side or back windows or anything. Had things in the front seat, everything. And then my dad might have taken his trailer. Yeah, I think your dad took his trailer. And then we hired a removalist because we couldn't work out how to get all our stuff up there. So That's right. So for my thing, which I managed that, was I've got to pay this removalist. And then he's going to want to take all our stuff and basically drop it off because if he's got it for an extra day he's just going to charge me Mm. and then i'm like is he going to be able to get Get to this place and get in get our stuff out yeah because if he's sitting in a queue with other trucks which they sort of said or he might be in a queue he might not i can't tell you um just come up be there first in best dressed kind of thing it's not that organized and even now it's still not that organized you can say oh my truck's going to be here at 10 get there and there's Oh, a cute. thousand trucks in front yeah. of him and he can't even get to the you gate to even though he has yeah. a booking for 10 it's yeah. trade fairs are a nightmare so that was me in the early days just stressing over oh this removalist is going to be sitting in a queue for a day and he's going to charge us a thousand dollars to sit there yeah um and so we tried packing the things that we could at least get started with so dad had the stand on his trailer so we yeah. could erect that before anything got brought in and then I met them up there and I unpacked the car and brought all that in. And I just remember sweating the whole time. It was oh, so it hot. It was the muggiest, <laughs> stormy day. And it was there was no airflow through that building. They didn't have the air conditioning on or anything. And we have to wear those um, high-vis vests and stuff. So it just like locks the, the moisture in. Um, so yeah, I just remember thinking, oh my goodness, what have we gotten ourselves into? And you know, it was only a three by nine square meter stand. Like it shouldn't have been that hard. Actually, I think we set it up in the warehouse. Did we set it up? I can't remember. No, we only, we, we Not you basically one. made it, yeah. put it up and like made it, put it up in the same sort of figure it. Yeah. yeah. I had a plan for it, but at that time, most of our range was all one off pieces like all of it except for the lighting range that we'd brought in um and we had you know we had turkish carpets we we even had little um all those little hats that we had afghan hats and all sorts of things like um danny had taken some really amazing photography on our travels um so we had that uh printed and framed and it was all in black and white and so we had the images on the hanging on the walls we had we, we yeah. just had standard order books, didn't we? Yeah, handwritten. handwritten Everything was order handwritten. Books and, um, we didn't know how we were going to do that. We didn't even know if we'd sell anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was just, it, it was such a like. It was first... exciting though. It was exciting. Yeah. And, but it was so uncertain as to how it would go, but it was really um, 
we we needed to have a go at it if if it was to work the way that we planned then we needed to do it so yeah I just remember that being so hard but we finally got there um and now like I said we've got a six by 18 square meter stand is it six by 18 I can't remember it's a hundred and something square meters but it's basically like setting up a store every time now and you only have like two or three days to do it really so we're very and, and it's so much more oh, detailed now. now. Yeah, so, we, we're really systemized now. Yeah. We've got our processes down pat, our timing, everything, the way that everything's done. We've even you know, redesigned our stand so that it's... I um, think our stand's the smartest, um, I guess, logistically the smartest stand yeah, in the building. We've tried, <laughs> we've tried to design it so that it adaptable to any size stand that we take on yeah, and we it's can, lightweight it fits yeah. in a small space you know it's, it's like you know anyone can construct it um it doesn't you don't need to be a, a trade or anything to put it up no um, so yeah now it's we've pretty much got it down pat but it's taken quite a number of years quite a few years and even still you know we it, it like i said trade fairs are full of obstacle ob- yeah. obstacles the last one um, we basically packed our truck with literally a minute to spare because the guys said we're going home at nine o'clock, even though they told us it was ten. We're going home at nine, so you won't have a forklift after nine o'clock. Mm. And we were basically the last pallet. Oh. If we had to hold that pallet, I had four guys that possibly we'd have to staying keep. overnight somewhere. <laughs> um, it's just you. You oh, think you got it? You, you, you no. do everything you can to make it organised, but there's only so much you can do you can for trade control. fairs. Yeah, yeah. And so, do you remember back to that first day of taking orders? So it was actually really interesting that the way that happened. It was so foreign to us in terms of being on that side selling, not attending. And we had everyone coming through and asking all of the questions and you had to make sure you had the right answers and all that. And then we had quite a few pretty good orders coming through. Like, well, we were happy. We weren't sure what to expect. But then we had our first big customer, didn't we? And yeah. that she came through and I think the order was $16,000. And yeah. we're like, what? You did a $16,000 order? Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> Who's that? Where's that going? Yeah. <laughs> and from there, it was basically up. quite up. Yeah. 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 So it's been... Um, so I, mean, I think, I don't know. I think on the last day, we probably didn't have anything left to sell. No, we sold, sold all everything. of our one-off stuff. Um, and then the next trade fair that we did was twice the size pretty much already. Like we already decided to increase mm. the size and we changed the stand layout again and all that sort of thing. So it's definitely, it's always a work in progress and you learn so much from um, you know every fair that you do really, even in terms of what people want or what people are looking for. Yeah. Um, there's a lot to consider. Yeah. Yeah. One of the benefits too of exhibiting at the trade shows is that you meet a lot of other wholesalers and you can form some really 
great lasting relationships and you can have really good conversations with them and learn a lot as well. Oh, it's the best place to learn. It's the one yeah. thing I look forward to in trade fairs is speaking to other exhibitors and sharing experiences. You don't share too much, obviously, but... Um, it's, you help it's, each other. Yeah, it yeah. is. there is a little bit of camaraderie there yeah. and you're in it together and you're in the same industry and when, you know, it's a bad fair or a good fair, you're, you know, you're in it together and everybody's... And especially if you're not competing, you know, if you if you can make friends with people who have a different brand who are completely different to yours, mm. like selling, you know, something that you, you wouldn't even consider or whatever, then that's where you can have really great relationships and really help each other out and asking lots of questions. Like I know that you used to ask a lot of questions. Oh, I love <laughs> asking questions because for me it's like... You know, it's a bit like why you're doing this podcast. Like, there was no other way to learn. No. You know, and when you're going to a trade fair where you've never done it before and logistically, the only thing you can do is ask questions and mm. go, well, so how's this work or how's this? And there's a lot of logistical people around trade fairs that are organizing it that aren't that helpful. And, yeah. And uh, they just they just don't care. They're just there to do a job and get this set up. And, and where do you want this, mate? Where do you want that? So... If talking to fellow exhibitors to me is and still is it's such a, a, a the best way to learn and the best way to work out you know even you could even be there you're just eyes wide open the whole time you know even looking at removalists you might see removalists like Byron Bay removals you know oh I'll take a photo of that yeah. you know I didn't you know that, that, that someone's using them so they must be alright well, we've got things going there so maybe yeah. we could use them yeah for that. exactly yeah. so you just you know you're sort of trusting that someone here knows what they're doing and that's the way they're doing it and so you're just watching everything listening for everything um, trying to get as much information as you can but one conversation I had was <laughs> at that first trade fair which was a bit deflating was someone come up who they sold things that they produced which were stock items i wouldn't say it was deflating it was a little bit well you did question (laughs) yeah yeah your business model yeah Yeah. Yeah. and which and i still question it i mean but yeah long story short we've made a a living out of it you know taking the hard road that not many too many people willing to take and probably doing it a bit differently but the the question he was was okay so all this stuff that you're selling mate like so will they just take it off the stand and I'm like, no, no, we've got to take it back to our warehouse. He goes, oh, so where's your warehouse? Oh, it's at Jervis Bay. So you've got to take all this stuff that you've just sold and this heavy stuff and you've got to take it back to your warehouse. And How then get... ship it out separately. And then then what? They come and get it. No, no, then we've got to organize the shipping. <laughs> right. And then, so once it's sold, so you, can you get another one? I'm like, no, no, this is a one-off thinking how cool am i this is a one up he's like right so how are you gonna can you, so how's this work like you just so then it's like you can see this person's going this isn't the smartest model <laughs> <laughs> and they're going starting well, to question ourselves yeah, um i guess you're right <laughs> Because basically, like I know I spoke briefly about taking a punt on this range of lighting, which is exactly what it was. It was a punt. We had no idea if these things were going to sell. Huge punt. We just knew that we liked them. So we thought, well, we want them as part of our range. How are we going to make this work? And I remember that fair. So obviously, as I said, many of the pieces were one of a kind. 
And so by the end of the fair, they were all sold. So it was like, well, how are we going to make any extra money if we sell everything on the first two days or whatever it is? But fortunately, those stock items that we had invested in and taken a risk on had paid off and we were able to sell multiples of those. So they actually produced quite a lot of income for us. Well, they they got the wheels rolling. Yeah. I mean, like, what one-offs as a, um, I guess, a passion yeah. and, and still is, you know. Like, it, logistically, it is probably the hardest oh, business model yeah. you can pick. Even now, like, yeah. we find pieces in the warehouse. Oh, how come that's not online? Why, where's the photo of that one? Hang on, that was back in this 2019. Yeah. So, let's go back through the archives and try and find the photo or so every piece that we buy of a one-off is bought obviously from a supplier supplier sends us an invoice we generate uh, a master basically with the images and then we have all our details because it's got to go online so you got to get your dimensions your heights what it's made of its previous use it's um, all those things are put into a spreadsheet um, so there's that effort uh, then that spreadsheet's basically pulled apart to go online. <laughs> Every single piece that comes in, we have to unwrap it because it's mm. wrapped up in cardboard. So it's not like it just comes in in a box, goes on a shelf, and then yeah. when someone orders it, it goes out in a box like every all the other stock items. No, no, it has to get unwrapped, completely unwrapped, checked for breakages, cleaned, and then it goes in our studio. We take a photograph of it in six different angles. Those photographs are edited. Uh, then they're loaded online, and then once that sells, all that work is over. It's over. <laughs> You'll never see it again. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> so you know you can imagine like when you, you know, selling something as a stock item, and you get a hundred of them, or even a thousand of them, whatever it is, that one photo sells a thousand of them. Yeah. Whereas with a one-off item, the one photo only sells one. Yeah. Um, and so logistically, and then you've got to arrange to get it. To someone's property so you've got to ring up freight companies do it there's a lot of handling manual yep. handling yep. labor involved yep. yeah so as a business model it is yeah it's, it's super hard but it's based on what we're passionate yeah, about. yeah it, it's so. it's a it's a definitely a major ingredient in our recipe that's for sure which yeah. makes us work but um it's hard yeah so getting those stock items going back to what you were saying getting those stock items that was a massive punt for us, you know, tens of thousands of dollars at the time, yeah. which we'd never really done. You know, when you've got tens of thousands of dollars in in different things, you can kind of go, well, that should sell. Yeah. Right? But when you're banking everything on one product. <laughs> and I think there was only like four or five styles. Yeah, like. <laughs> and because it's a container, you, you know, you've got to do such volume yeah. because they want, the supplier wants a full container. He doesn't want to send you 20 30 and just send them by what's called an lcl which is a part shipment yeah they want a full container it's only a full container so yeah that was a huge a huge gamble like you know i call it an educated gamble but that in that's basically that was the first um i guess experience we'd had with typically how it was going to go moving forward yeah definitely and as I said, the next stand, we doubled the size because we had double the amount of product, but we probably had more one-offs. But we also introduced a couple of extra stock items and yeah. slowly built the range. Like it's taken years to be able to get 
to where we are now in terms of the product range that we have because obviously when you're buying in bulk it costs a lot of money so well it costs a lot of money and even as a i guess a business process you know you you can imagine say you buy a container load of goods and they sell really quick and you're like okay well i need to go buy another one um maybe not all your money's come in yet but you've got some money but then you need to buy more than you bought previously or you want to expand that range so everything you just made you just spent on resupplying and maybe increasing that range you're like okay we're onto something here maybe we'll add another style Mm. so there goes all the money that you just made back in so for years and years and years we had to reinvest for years we had it just all went back in well when you say for years like still like it's just the nature of business really if you want to grow and you want your business to grow you constantly need to reinvest painful yeah (laughs) costs money to grow that's what i'm always saying to you know our guys is like it costs money to grow yeah yeah so that's like our first trade fair experience and i guess what led to it so the the challenges and the triumphs and everything that we experienced and i know i you know looking back on it now i'm not sure we could have done much differently but knowing what we know now it's probably i don't know would you have done much differently i think like one thing that i think i've learned i i keep saying is if you can't afford to do it properly you need to question whether you should do it at all but because at I, some point you've got to make sure it's sustainable but then i question you when you say that because i think we wouldn't be where we are now if we didn't just dive in and do those things but at the same time i, I think, think we probably could have should have stayed at a hotel across the road <laughs> that's what i'm talking about okay <laughs> you know because it, i mean we did one trade fair oh. where we had jonah we stayed in a hotel i'll talk in about the city. that at another time too in more oh, detail but you know you gotta yeah at some point you just you you gotta make things a bit easier and if you can't afford to do it then you need to question for years and years and years we've really had to be really um budget cautious and it's always it usually comes at a sacrifice to your accommodation that's kind of where you your comfort your accommodation you know requires extra effort yeah um i know a few years ago when we had a business coach um and he basically gave us this exercise and said to us okay where do you want to be in five years for example and he's like and this is like an open-ended question you doesn't matter how much money you have like it could cost whatever but just write down exactly what you want to be doing or where you want to be in this amount of time and i remember one of the things that i wrote down was to stay in whatever accommodation i choose (laughs) (laughs) it was really important You've got to be comfortable. <laughs> and we, we would go to these trade fairs and everybody would be staying in nice hotels. Yeah, and, going out for cocktails. Yeah, and, and having you know, nights out. And where are we eating tonight? Yeah. And we'd be so exhausted because we would stay at some cheap hotel that was like the size of a shoebox. Well, even back to the stories of when we first um, attended the trade fairs, how we spoke about, like I know I spoke about the hotel room we had that had a window facing a brick wall and things like that. Like we've been doing it for so long Mm. and we had been doing it for so long in the lead up to that. So I think it's to the point where now I watch people do things and I'm, 
And I'm like, that's how we need to do it. Yeah. You know, if that level of comfort or where they're staying or whatever, we need to get to there because that's how we need to do it. And, and it's not- something that we always say too, that you have to be able to think big. So when you're making these decisions, um, sometimes, obviously according to what you can afford and all of that sort of thing, but you do have to visualize yourself as something bigger so if you want to grow this is how you're going to you know have to act or this is what you're going to have to do in order to grow you 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 need to sort of almost um subconsciously expect it yeah you know i i expect that i'll be staying here i expect that i'll be able to afford that that's what i need to do yeah On the topic of thinking big, I just remembered to there's quite a process to trade fairs, even after you get home from one, because obviously, as Danny said before, we'd been taking orders all handwritten in a in an order book rather than you know electronically. So ultimately, there was going to be a lot of work involved when we got home, and that work came well was given to my poor mum our bookkeeper (laughs) and account manager um, who at the time had her office set up in the bathroom of our warehouse (laughs) where she sat hours you know day on day all day for hours just typing out every single item that we had sold at the trade fair um, and went through the entire order book typed it all into MYOB, sent off all of the invoices and then printed them all out so that we could have them ready for delivery. What a nightmare. What a huge job. So that's where I think it's really important to think big in terms of uh, forward thinking for your processes and how you can maybe make life a little bit easier for yourself by setting things up in advance. So in later trade fairs, we want, went on to use ordering programs such as Handshake. And now we use a software, our, our own inventory system so that all of the orders are automatically uploaded into the system without us actually manually having to do anything. So that was a huge lesson. And poor old mum she was she'll never forget that i think she's probably scarred by the experience so lots of lessons out of this one and a few um entertaining stories <laughs> yeah. but we've learned we've learned a lot obviously along the way and now as we said we've, we're doing things a lot differently but you know even now still learning from our experiences through wholesaling and trade fairs and and that side of the business and still refining it you know we've got some more ideas this year that we're working on and, and COVID's done a lot to change yeah, completely. trade fairs completely which is positive in some ways yeah it's always just adapting you just have to adapt to the changing circumstances around you and that's been a big thing for us when you do it though just think big and yeah yeah take a punt yeah well uh, an educational educated guess (laughs) so i hope you've enjoyed this one um and i guess i'll be back with you next week with some more um guidance guidance and information on how to start your retail business or how to grow your existing business 
Thank you for joining me this week on the Trade Wins Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or have found value in this podcast, I'd love you to leave me a review on iTunes or to share it on Instagram and Facebook for your friends. To see what special pieces of the world we've brought home, make sure you visit our website at fewandfar.com.au or pop into one of our beautiful stores located in Huskisson, Berry, or Barrel in New South Wales. And if you're thinking about starting your own retail business but aren't sure where to begin or you have an existing business you want to grow, head over to my website, tarasolberg.com for more information on my Trade Wings online course where I share everything I wish I had known when I was first starting out in business. I look forward to you joining me again for our next episode. Thank you for listening.